Our, our text from um, the Bible today is the story of Pentecost. Now, uh, Pentecost is a, is a Christian celebration, um, but before that it was a Jewish celebration. It was actually um, a, a, an annual Jewish festival in Jerusalem that was commemorating or celebrating or offering thanksgiving for uh, the first fruits of the wheat harvest. So it was like a harvest festival. And later, it became a time of, in addition to that, became uh, maybe mostly a time of remembering um, when the, the law or the Torah was given by God uh, to Moses. And so in our story, you've got people coming from all over the known world, um, walking, riding the donkey or the camel, um, they, they were making their way to, to Jerusalem for this festival. Now, we tell this story every year uh, because in some ways, um, at least we talk about it this way, is like uh, the day of Pentecost is like um, the day the church was born. And so, um, the, the disciples, they were kind of at that place before Jesus left, left them, I think almost like we are sometimes now, like now what are we going to do when there's been so much change and so much confusion and Jesus is just like, well, you just need to wait, wait in Jerusalem, uh, wait for uh, the Spirit to come, wait for the power. Well, they do and what happens on the day of Pentecost is the Spirit comes and the power falls and it, and it comes like fire. And so, um, as I was uh, reading this story of Pentecost and kind of meditating on it, what really came into focus for me um, was one word, and it was this word divided, divided tongues of fire. The Spirit came like divided tongues of fire. And, and a lot of times, and maybe you've had this experience too, when you're, when you're sitting with a passage of Scripture, uh, one word will, will really kind of stand out, kind of like if you're on a Word document on your computer and the font is a couple of sizes larger on this word, you've bolded it and italicized it and underlined it, it's like that's, that's all you can see. Um, I, I just kept seeing this word divided. And, and my like, immediate thought with that was, well, isn't that the truth? We're so divided. And as I was thinking about all of that, like these, these great divisions that, that plague kind of our, our current time, our, our, our current way of life, I became taken by this group that's in our story, like uh, the, this, this first century group, and realizing that they came from everywhere. They came from, from every place. From, from every culture. So imagine how dramatically different they would have been from each other, uh, and yet they were drawn together. And I suppose it was this uh, festival uh, or, or feast of Pentecost that drew them to the temple, that, that drew them to Jerusalem. Um, and, and so uh, all of the places that they, that they came from, um, let me just read it again. Uh, each of us here are in our own native language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, 
all of them were hearing in their own language. And so I decided to take a pad of paper and my um, uh, Bible dictionary, and I, and I made a list of each of these places uh, and, and began to study them. I was just curious uh, about who they were. Well, the Parthians, they're an Iranian tribe. I learned that they revolted against the Persians in 521 B.C. They also had trouble with the Romans in 40 B.C. Um, they overran Asia Minor and Syria, and they even took Jerusalem at one point. And they, they uh, continued, the Parthians continued to be a thorn in the side of the Romans. And they were there on the day of Pentecost. And the Romans were there too. The, the, the Romans were the empire. So as I began to think about their presence, it's like when you're talking about an empire like that, like how many enemies uh, they would have had. And then the Medes. I read that Isaiah regarded the, the Medes as a ferocious nation. Uh, the Elamites. The Elamites controlled trade routes, and because they controlled these trade routes, it made them objects of frequent attacks from the region of Mesopotamia, the plains of Mesopotamia. Well, the Mesopotamians were there too. Uh, Cappadocia was this, this highland province and they, I mean, they, they provided or produced just all kinds of sheep and, and horses. And so they were farmers. Um, they, were, they were mountain people. They were mountain culture. Uh, Pontus? The political climate in Pontus, in, in this region, was, was this complex of Greek republics, temple estates, and Iranian baronies. The Pamphylians, they were coastal people, and Egypt was there. And like we know a lot about the bad history between uh, Egypt and, and Israel, like the whole 400 years in slavery thing. Uh, times were good sometimes with Egypt, like King Solomon. Um, he married one of Pharaoh's daughters, so there were good relationships. But uh, later, over the years, like um, whenever there was a call for help, Egypt rarely responded. And you know the, the prophets uh, warned that, that Egypt was like a broken reed that would pierce the hand, any hand that, that leaned upon them. Uh, Cyrene was North Africa. Crete was a mountainous island in the Mediterranean Sea. And then you had the Arabs. I mean, the Arabians... They were a nomadic people because there was not enough rain for them to have crops and to have that kind of a, a, a stability, and there were no really good, good harbors to, uh, for, for ports and all. Um, so this is the group that were there. They were all there on this day in Jerusalem when the Spirit came, when the fire fell. Um, and, and when all that started happening, they all came running. And so I was just taken by this reality that they were all together uh, and, and they heard about God's deeds of power. Like this, this first church, uh, they were united in God's presence. And so as I was thinking about this word divided and division, I began thinking about the church, as I know the church, and realized that, that division comes to a church for a lot of different reasons. Um, sometimes people leave a church, which is quite different from someone leaving the church. A, a person who leaves a church is uh, still sitting in a pew somewhere on Sunday morning. It's just that uh, the pew is underneath a different steeple. 
one time years ago, there was a, a member of the church I served um, who had a, a, a big problem with um, the youth group and, and with the way that I was leading the youth group. And so he kind of gave me this ultimatum. And it was like, unless you change what you're doing with our youth, like we're out of here. Like our, our family's leaving and finding another church. And, you know, we were a smaller congregation. And so we really couldn't afford to lose a family. And, and so I, I paid a visit and we spent a significant amount of time reviewing the state of the youth program under my leadership. And, you know, the way I did things is sometimes we would play basketball. Um, sometimes we would go bowling. Uh, one time I took them to a, a Christian uh, rock music festival in Kentucky where we camped and, and of course it just poured rain and so our tents were wet and everything was muddy but then the sun would come out and we got totally sunburned and fried and I mean it was just really awesome. <laughs> and after that trip like the kids just wanted to listen to that music so before the um, the youth meeting would start on Sunday nights we would have Christian rock music playing and uh, we would have donuts and hot dogs and snacks and then we would then we would worship. I actually bought a, a guitar at Strains of Music and I learned how to play Kumbaya so that we could worship together at youth and we would study the Bible. We wanted to know uh, stuff about God and we wanted to know you know kind of what it means uh, to be the church. But he took issue with almost all of the stuff that we did, particularly the games and the music and the food. And I remember his argument was the kids, they just need to be studying the Bible, sitting around the table studying the Bible. And I pushed back. I was like, but you got to get the kids here. Like they got to want to come. And, um, and he said, the, the, the spirit will make that happen. And we never did see eye to eye on, on how it, it should all happen. We had different visions, which is what division is. We were divided. Like, I wanted for my youth group the exact same thing that I want from my own kids. Like, I want them to love God. And in order to love God, you got to know God. And if you're going to know anybody, God included, you've got to, to spend some time together. You know, I, I want my kids um, uh, to be kind and compassionate. I, I want my kids to have a heart that's pure. I, I want them to eat broccoli and pinto beans. I, I want my kids to, you know, to have fun, uh, to experience the, the, the joys of life. I want them on a regular basis to laugh until it hurts, you know? But there was division. Uh, they found a different pew. One time this family left the church because they found out what seminary I went to. Really, like no kidding. Another time a choir member came up to me before the service. He was upset about the bulletin and this announcement in the bulletin because uh, we, had, we had talked about the Christmas holidays and he thought we were selling out. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, uh, like we don't have any problem saying it's, uh, it's um, we, we, we were talking about the the holiday season, not the Christmas holiday. We're talking about the holiday season. Didn't use the word Christmas, so he thought we were selling out. And I was like, no. It's like we're talking about Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. It's like all of these holidays, uh, the holiday season. Uh, never saw him again. Never answered my phone calls. Since I've been your pastor here at First Methodist, uh, some people have found different steeples. 
there's been division. And the reasons aren't trivial. The, the reasons are theological, they're, they're doctrinal, and, and they're biblical. We're divided sometimes in, in our beliefs, uh, in our convictions, uh, in, in the way that, that we hold the Bible. Sometimes people leave the church and there's not another pew and there's not another steeple. Church historian uh, Diana Butler Bass, in her book called Freeing Jesus, she, she says this, Millions of Americans have left church behind. Probably many more have left emotionally, and countless others are wondering if they should. One of the most consistent things I hear from those who have left, those doubting their faith and those just hanging on, is that church or Christianity has failed them, wounded them, betrayed them, or maybe just bored them and they do not want to have much to do with it any longer. And so I think about us. You know, um, in the United Methodist Church, we're currently dealing with this harsh reality that our beloved denomination is splintering like it is, and we can feel helpless about it. On May the 1st, a new denomination was launched out of our denomination, uh, the Global Methodist Church and pastors and congregations are going to have the option to, uh, to go and be a part of that. Our general conference that happens every four years that helps us resolve uh, issues or at least gives us that platform to, to, to talk about them in kind of s sacred, holy conferencing. Well, like it's been pushed for logistical reasons to, to 2024. And so it can feel like we're just left in this lurch. We, we don't know what to do. We don't have a, a clear sense of the future. And maybe we're experiencing um, some fear about what the future is going to be. Uh, maybe there's a, a homesick feeling. Maybe there's this, uh, this feeling of grief uh, and, and, and loss. And today, on the birthday of the church, uh, we find ourselves with lots of questions, maybe about what it means for us to be the church. Well, at First United Methodist Church, we've always believed that we're better together, kind of like on that first day. Like they were so different, and they were from everywhere. They were different culturally, different in every way. And, and yet they found their common ground, and, and they were there. Like, so, so my question is, is, how do we do that? When we say that we're better together, that we're better united, and that we've got to do something about all of the division that, that's all around us, what do we do? How do we stay united? And as I thought about that, I thought of a very simple answer, but at the same time, it's... it's so extremely difficult that sometimes it feels impossible, and that's just follow Jesus. That, that's always a part of our mission statements. Like, we're here to follow Jesus. So I, I flip back to the end of Luke's Gospel. You know, Luke wrote the book of Acts, and at the end of his Gospel, he tells that story. It's kind of like the prelude to the book of Acts, where he tells the disciples to wait, just hold on, the, the power's coming. But before that, he says this, um, 
he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Beginning from like your backyard, from that place where you currently are. Repentance and forgiveness of sins is, is to be proclaimed to everyone. I think repentance and forgiveness, like that's an agenda that can absolutely transform the world. When the lawyer approached Jesus and said, hey, what's the, the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus' response was, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And you remember that story? What Jesus follows up, love God and love your neighbor with, on these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. And when I think about what's our solution to all of this division and this brokenness, how do we, how do we bridge this gap uh, and cross the divide? And it's love. And that together, like this group in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, we're going to love God and worship God in our sacred spaces, but we're also going to love each other. And so what that means is, is when I encounter you and you're hungry or, or you need some clothes, like the way that I love you is I'm going to give you some food or I'm going to give you something to wear. And, and when, when I encounter you and discover that you radically disagree with me in, in my beliefs or my theology or, or in the direction that I think the church should go, the way that I'm going to love you is, is that I'm going to respect you as a person and respect your convictions and respect your doctrine and your theology. And, I, and I'm going to listen and in that circle of love, we give each other uh, the gift of time. And, and this, this love that comes from knowing, this love that, that comes uh, from, from friendship. So today is the day of Pentecost, and it's also Communion Sunday. And at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit power it rained down like fire. Divided tongues of fire rested on each of them. And uh, I was taken by this word, divided. And so I looked it up in my Greek concordance. And this Greek word uh, that's used here, it was not the word schizo, which is the word uh, translated uh, to divide or to split, like the people were divided or the assembly was divided. Like that's not the word used here. Uh, the word is diamerizo, diamerizo. And, and that means to divide or distribute. To distribute. Like to share it. So that each person is included. Each person has a share in this, in this fire, in this spirit, in this gift of God. Each person has a place at this table. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we come to this table and we're grateful because we know, all of us know, that we're invited, that you want all of us with you, and that you call all of us to each other, to this place, where we have a, 
a share in life with you and a share in life with each other. And we come today to your table and we confess. We confess that we haven't loved you. We confess that we have not loved our neighbor. We confess that we haven't been obedient. We've broken your law. We've not been good stewards of, of this earth that you have given us to keep and care for. We have not heard the cry of the needy. And so we repent and we need your forgiveness. Uh, forgive us, uh, free us for joyful obedience. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would fall again like fire and that each of us in, in, in each of our spaces with our bread and, and our cup that you would hold us and that your Spirit would be poured out on us and that your Spirit would be poured out on, on the gifts of, of the bread and, and the cup and that you would make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we might be for the world, for all nations, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, make us one with each other, and make us one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. Because we partake of the one loaf. The bread that we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. This is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ given for you. Amen.